Welcome to Every Moment His. This is a podcast where we seek to bring every aspect, every moment of our lives under the gentle authority of Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. We're glad you're here when we pray this conversation is a blessing to you. All right, Pastor Tim, why does being a member of a church matter? I'm a member of a wholesale food place like Sam's Club. We don't have a Sam's Club, but I would be. I would be too. Uh, I'm a member of a gym, but I never go. Um, Why would I want to be a member of a church? This is what we're going to tackle today. There's, there's, There's a few excellent reasons why we would really take membership in a church um, seriously and why we would encourage people who um, are Christians, but they're kind of floating around. Maybe not attached formally to a congregation Yeah, through membership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they would consider that position. Yeah. Uh, reconsider it in a biblical light. Yeah. So, so just in humility, we're, we're saying, you know, hear us out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and you, you may notice if you've been at Holy Cross for any time, you probably notice that, that we talk about membership a lot. We have a continual invite to join our essentials class, go through our teaching, uh, become a committed member. We make a big deal out of membership on our new member welcome Sundays. Yep. And uh, so I think it's important that we explain the why of that because it's one thing to just do something, but it's another thing to explain carefully. Well, this is why we do this in particular in a culture where I think we're overcommitted, but we also mm-hmm. have a lot of low commitment. Hmm. You know, I think a lot of times we're doing all the things at about 70% effort. Mm, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, and, and even the word membership is kind of a, uh, a strange word because sometimes I think the word member communicates low commitment. Yeah, right. Yeah. It does. Yeah, it's, it's, it's become a word that means like, you're on paper somewhere. You're on paper somewhere, yeah. which I yeah. think often in the church, and that might even be a reason that we look at membership a little suspect is like, yeah. you know, yeah, okay, I'm a member, but what does that even mean? Um, so we're going to tackle that today, and we hope that on the other end of this podcast, um, you would, would say, oh, this makes sense, and the Holy Spirit would use this to, um, to lead you toward formal church membership somewhere. Yeah. I think just as, just as maybe a foil to the uh, thinking about membership, like we tend to be in our minds, like we're trying to live our best life. (laughs) You know, we're Americans. We're fairly comfortable. Like we're (coughs) trying to maximize pleasure, minimize pain. We we're really into convenience and all of these have kind of been our, the stew we've been stewing Mm -hmm. in, in, in our culture. Uh, so it's, it's hard for us to even conceive of like, why would it, why would I bother to become a member? It seems in, inconvenient, yeah, you know, got time for that. And, and is it really going to benefit me? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times we would avoid membership in a church, um, or be suspect of it because it just doesn't fit the script that we're typically living, right. which is one of self-improvement and self-betterment and You kind of use things only as they are necessary to you. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. So maybe you're, a, maybe you'd be a member of a church for a time, like maybe it, when you're raising your kids or something like that. But it's, we would, we just want to show you that it's much bigger than that. And mm-hmm. it's much, it's the biblical standard and calling of membership into a church is, is pretty profound. Yeah. And while there might be a time, in fact, there likely is a time 
in which you are not a member because you are exploring. Yeah. You know, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? What's this church all about? Is this my home? You know, eventually I would, so GK Chesterton once said, it is the nature of love to bind yourself or commit yourself. Mm. And so that's what we're after. Nice. So we're going to try to pick apart some of the cultural assumptions that might keep you from membership. We're going to recognize that this is a process that takes time, but we're also going to try to help you see that this is biblical, healthy, normal Good. stuff. All right. So um, I'm going to just begin here. I just want to share a little bit because, um, you know, I never want to give the impression in the podcast that like pastors, we got it all figured out. Yeah. We're just telling you how it is. Let's just, we're going to fix you in 25 minutes of audio recording. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> in fact, this is a, like, I did not understand church membership really until I became a pastor because I think of the culture that I'm living in. And so, you know, I didn't grow up in a church, really formal church. I was baptized and I suppose I was baptized into that church's membership hmm. and then hmm. they never saw me really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in high school, I floated around to different churches. I just, honestly, I went where my friends went. I went where, uh, where the cool youth group was. And then in college, well, then I did join a church. And then when I went to college, uh, I just kind of went, well, I woke up at 1030. Who's still having church? <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> and I did kind of get connected with a church, maybe my last two years, but never became a member. And then after college, I think I stayed, I was still on my, my high school church's roles all the way through seminary. And are you still on their roles? I, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it was kind of like, I'm going to go wherever is convenient to me. And if it doesn't fit my needs, I'll go someplace else. I'm not going to commit myself. But then I went to seminary and the seminary has a great way of not really caring about your feelings or preferences. Mm. <laughs> so they mm. assigned you to a church, mm-hmm. uh, a fieldwork church, and you're stuck and you're there with these people. Yep. And if you don't like the way the music is, if you, if you think the preaching is a little boring, if you think the coffee is, could be improved. Sorry well, about you. Sorry. This is your people. <laughs> and so for three years you're with mm-hmm. those people, but that began to, it was my first real like solid, prolonged experience with another group of believers where I learned to live in Christian community. And then you get your first call into a church and you're with those people for seven years. And what was humbling was that some of those people in my first congregation in Connecticut had been in that church for their whole life Mm -hmm. or for decades. And they'd seen pastors come and go. They'd seen church have issues good times, bad times, but they stuck through it because they said, this is my church. So. Yeah. They have that kind of fixed mindset and you were kind of, for a time you're a guest with them, you know? Yeah. And then, and then the, the Lord knits you together mm-hmm. and it becomes uh, profoundly beautiful, you know, because it, 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 it really does reflect all of life. You know, we, mm-hmm. we have joys together, we have sorrows together. And if you go through those experiences as a community, you really bonded quite closely. Yeah. 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 And in a certain sense, you don't get to pick your community. I mean, when mm-hmm. you're a, a member of a church, well, looking to become a member, you can choose, go around and choose. But when you're a pastor, to a certain extent, you get assigned, well, you get a call and you take that call. But as you take that call, you don't know who these people are. 
if they're going to like you, if you're going to like them. And you don't know <laughs> what it's going to be like. And you get yeah. thrown into the family, but it's kind of like a family. And you just kind of like, hey. Um, and that, that, I think, is a critique to some of the ways we do church selection is that sometimes mm-hmm. we're looking for where, so somebody our age might say, where can I find a church with all the millennials? Yeah, yeah. Or where can I find a church where everybody's my age or has my yeah. kind of life place? And it's like, well. Or they kind of dress like me. Yeah. The music is kind of what I prefer. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is like, well, is this one catering to me? Right. I mean, how else do you, how else do you even um, choose a church, really, when, you, when you're like, quote unquote, church shopping? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you, what's the criteria you're looking for? Typically, it is like, that just felt good. Or that, yeah. like, the experience was nice. Or they were friendly. Yeah, it's I mean, helpful it when a little people bit, are friendly to you. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to churches where I'm like... Well, these people seem like if I weren't here, they'd be fine with that. <laughs> I, I do almost wish, you know, like churches would just, like people <laughs> would just have the mindset of, okay, I'm going to look at a church. I'm going to look at what they believe. I'm going to find the one that like gives me the Bible clearly. And that's going to be my church. And I'll just show up and I'll start pushing. <laughs> I'll start. Do the reps. Yeah. I'm going to do the reps. I'm going to join the ranks. Yeah. yeah and, it, and I think there's something beautiful. Like when I look out at our church and I see the generations, you know, I see toddlers, I see babies, I see college kids, I see, you know, somebody on oxygen, you know, I see people like just from zero to 95 and, and there is something really beautiful, different um, kind of uh, vocations, different places in life. Um, it's good. So okay. um, here we go. Point number one, we got four points for those of you who are Sweet. keeping track. Point number one is member is actually a biblical word. Sure is. Yeah, yeah. it's, it is. It's, it's all over the new Testament. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's used to describe the baptized reality. Yeah. So as people are baptized into Christ, mm-hmm. they are individually members of one another. Paul says in they're the incorporated in cor- yeah. the body. Yes. Embodied. They, yeah. They become a member because the word member kind of means part. It means uh-huh. a part of a larger whole. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in Romans chapter 12, Paul's going to use this language of the members of the body. And just like every body has different members, different parts, so also the body of Christ. Now, I would say that the, the word member is used on two different levels. Okay. The big level is the whole body of Christ. We call this the church Catholic, the one apostolic church, the universal church. This is all believers of all ages, all places, all mm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, the one people of God. Yeah. And so we can say as a Christian, even if I'm not formally a member of a church yet, that through faith in Christ and through baptism, I am a member of the whole body of Christ. Yeah. So the, the whole church on earth, but also those who are in heaven with the Lord now. Mm-hmm. I belong to those people. Yeah. I mean, I love that thought. That's it's a great the whole thought. party. It's and, the and, whole party. Yeah. And this, this is trans-denominational. So yeah. it's not like, well, you got your Baptists and you got your Roman Catholics yeah. and you got your Lutherans. It's like, no, this is like just the people of God. And because there are no denominational categorizations yeah. uh, in eternity. Eternity. Right. It's yeah. not like... You know, we have the Baptist section over here and we have the Lutheran section over here. 
Or you don't get like a stamp that says <laughs> this Lutheran was a Lutheran. seating yeah. over this way. No, no. It's yeah. just the church Catholic. It's the universal church. And I mean, I, I think we can understand this um, pretty well. Like we can appreciate this on earth. Like, like say I went to uh, Italy mm-hmm. and I, I, I found some Roman Catholics in Italy. They're worshiping, they're having mass, right? Like those are my people. Yeah. You know, like we, we are not enemies. We have, pe- we can, we're going to be praying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're, we, we're going to differ on how we worship and some of our, some of our important beliefs. But if, if they believe that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. You got a lot of common ground. We do. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. they're Trinitarian, you know, we're, we're brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. We have some things to talk through. Um, but you can take that with you. You can take that confidence to any part of the world and you can find people who know Jesus. Yeah. And that's pretty rad. So even if you're part of a different denomination, like the first gut feeling you should have when you hear mm. that somebody confesses Jesus is like, yes, one of us, yeah, same team, high five. And yes, there are some practical differences on the ground that are really important. And we covered that in our denominations podcast. Yeah. Go back a few episodes. But now, but there's another way we use the word member. And this is really to the point of this podcast is that the word member also means that you are a member of the local body of Christ, a specific fellowship of Christians in time and space, geographically placed. We call this a local church. Mm-hmm. And so, um, th- and, and there's biblical reasons for this. So for example, when Paul writes his letters, he will say to the saints in Corinth, to the right. saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Philippi, because these were local churches. They were local fellowships, people who were under the care of pastors, teachers of the faith, accountable to each other. And so this is in the New Testament that, that we would all be part of a local church. Yeah. So it's almost, it's, it's assumed throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament. Like you, you can't be a, the people of God without being among the people of God. Yeah, even in the Old Testament, you're part of a tribe, like yeah. you're part of Manasseh, or you're part yeah. of uh, Benjamin, Dan. or you're part yeah. of Dan. And then you're in these communities, and you go on pilgrimage together to worship. And you, you and, have and what people. you do affects your local tribe, your local gatherings, and what, you, uh, what other tribes do affect you in different ways. But in the New Testament, try just this is a challenge to anyone who might feel like, I don't feel like this is a biblical idea read the new Testament and try to understand it in an individualistic way. Mm-hmm. Like 95% of the conversations in the new Testament are about how the church gets along with one another and mm-hmm. how they relate to the oh, world yeah. and how they relate to Christ. So there's, there's very few passages that are about individuals. It's all about how the church body, the group of believers, the Believers at Corinth, the believers at Rome, mm-hmm. it's, it's all about how they corporately interact together. Yeah. That's how the New Testament imagines the church. And we have cultural reasons for not seeing that. And because our culture in America is very individualistic and, and also in 21st century America, because even sociologists have noticed, uh, noted that we are much less corporately involved uh, yeah. The famous book uh, by, I think, uh, Putnam is the name. It's uh, Bowling Alone. Bowling Alone, yeah. yeah. Came out in the early 2000s, and it's a study of how we don't join neighborhood associations or bowling mm-hmm. groups mm-hmm. or civic organizations and stuff like that. 
um, because we're just more like, hey, I'm going to stay home and watch TV in the evening and yeah. be on the internet. And See that haunting blue glow in everyone's mm-hmm. windows? <laughs> yep, for sure. So, yeah, we talk about this quite often, but it's, it's really hard. Like, <laughs> if you're listening to this, do you, do you see this in your life, this, this trend towards individualization, mm-hmm. this trend toward anti-community, this mm-hmm. trend toward being isolated? Also, that is not healthy. I mean, yeah. when, uh, when England, their prime minister or whoever, they have like a, they have like a, like a, uh, a minister of loneliness, <laughs> like somebody devoted to, you know, we have a surgeon general, yeah, they sure. have like a, somebody devoted to the problem of loneliness in uh. the Western world. Now, and granted, somebody could say, well, I can be a part of a church and I have community there and I, and I get fed there but I'm not going to be a formal member so I can get the benefits Mm -hmm. without being a member. But let's go a little deeper into that. Point number two is this. The New Testament assumes that we would uh, gather regularly, having trouble talking today, sorry, that we would gather regularly with other Christians and that these Christians would have a bond with one another, that they're accountable to one another. In other words, that they'd have a covenant community. And I think that, uh, well, let's take Matthew 18. We know Matthew 18 because we've preached through it last Lent. We preached through it a couple weeks ago in Sunday service. And read Matthew 18 through the lens of church membership. And it makes sense. But try to read Matthew 18 without covenant Hmm. commitment, formal commitment, and it won't make sense because in that, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him. Go and get two or three others. Go and tell the church. Well, that that assumes that you have the credibility and the commitment to have Mm. those types of conversations. Yeah. Not only that, when Jesus says, if one strays, you leave the 99 and go find that one. Well, first of all, who's the 99 and who's the one? That means that they're formally committed to each mm-hmm. other because you're not going to go out and find the one who belongs to the millions out in the world necessarily. Right. I mean, we want the gospel to be brought to everybody, but we're talking about if somebody's in your fellowship and then they leave or they're lost or they're wandering. Yeah. I mean, even at the beginning of that chapter, it's all about the little ones, right? Yeah. And so Jesus is assuming that these Christians are going to know some little ones, know some mm-hmm. people who are weak in the faith or mm-hmm. new to the faith. And he's directly teaching them on how to interact with other Christians. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's assuming they're in a Christian community. They know these other Christians. They have some influence over them. To, yeah. 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 Cause, Cause you, you don't have the right to, you know, going, you know, like to have those conversations, you don't have the right to have those conversations with people. You're not in a covenant. Just random with. people. Just random people. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to go to the random coffee shop and find somebody and be like, why'd you leave our church? Yeah. <laughs> Are you, we, we're looking for you. Are you okay? We yeah. care about you yeah. spiritually. I mean, you want to share the gospel and yeah. evangelize people, but there's a different relationship with those who are part of the body. Yeah, so it's definitely there. Another place I think of is Acts chapter three, mm-hmm. where we see this gathering of Christians who are baptized right after the day of Pentecost, and they immediately devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, 
to the prayers and to the fellowship. And so they're immediately bound together into this community Mm -hmm. of believers. They're selling their possessions. They're building one another up. So the gospel creates community. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Point number three, the New Testament assumes that Christians will be under the formal care of spiritual leaders. By that, we mean pastors, elders. Um, And so I'm going to share a couple of verses. And I think the point is that these scripture verses make no sense apart from church membership. Okay. So Hebrews 13, seven, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And so remember your leaders. Well, which leaders, right? Yeah. Which leaders have the authority to speak God's word into your life Mm. and, and whose life you would imitate. And so, the writer of Hebrews is assuming that the Christians he's writing to would have leaders who are formally their leaders. So they're at least close enough to speak to them. Yeah. They're close enough to proximally to actually, you can hear their voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. So a little bit later in that chapter, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. There you go. So first you're to hear, or what is it? Remember your leaders. Mm-hmm. Second, it's to obey your leaders. So there's this formal call from St. Paul to, to, to listen, to obey. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty strong word. I mean, it assumes that, that the Holy Spirit's using specific people, specific spiritual leaders to shape you in the Christian life, that they've been called to preach, to teach, to shepherd, to counsel, to yeah. pray for you. Now, I think it's really important to note too, that, that these leaders are going to give an account, right? And this is a very repeated New Testament idea, Old Testament too but that shepherds, pastors, teachers will give an account to Christ himself of how they cared for specific people. Yeah. And so this is why church membership matters because it, like who are the people when, when you and I, Pastor Tim, stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on the day of judgment and we give an account for our role as pastor and the people we shepherded who are the people Jesus is going to ask us about? Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be every person, right? No. I mean, Thankfully. because like while we love all people, mm-hmm. we don't have the capacity to be mm-hmm. pastor to everybody. And so yeah. I'm not going to be accountable as the shepherd for everybody in Kearney or Buffalo mm-hmm. County, but we'll be accountable to specific people who are formally under my care. Yeah, I have a couple thoughts about this. Um, the first thought is just, just, just striking, you know, the difference of perception of what's happening in the church between, from a pastor's perspective, like you're describing, I, I am ultimately responsible for these people's spiritual well-being. Yeah. And I got to talk to the Lord of all creation about mm-hmm. it. If you really think about that, and I know you and I have really imbibed that message, you know, Um, if you really think about that, it really does shape your interactions. It shapes your thinking. 
you lose some sleep at night, mm-hmm. you worry about these things, you're focused on them. Uh, but then as from a person coming into the church, maybe who doesn't have that perspective and they think mm-hmm. it's more like a um, experience, you know, for, for some growth, um, but I'm kind of half in, half out. I come when I want and I maybe I'm not going to be formally committed uh, or maybe I will be, but I'm not really going to be there frequently. It's just such a different mindset because mm-hmm. they're not thinking, oh, I, I, you know, my pastor has to give an account for my well, my soul at the end yeah, of the right. time. Mm-hmm. It's more like, well, good. I caught it that time. I caught that message and that was good. And, mm-hmm. and so this clash of perception of what the agreement of church is and what the right. covenant of church is, is really profound to me. Yeah. And I, I do think that, like, so for example, like, w- imagine that you get a call from your pastor or your elder because they haven't seen you in church for a while. Like, if you are seeing worship as a as a experience or just kind of something that that's there when you need it, then that that you maybe even be offended by that. It would be kind of like, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get out of my business. Yeah, yeah. or it'd be like a telemarketing phone call. Yeah, uh, but. But then if you understand that, well, this person really cares about my soul and, and they want, they, from our perception, we're saying, man, if this, if this person that we normally see in church who is a member is not a, attached to the word and the sacrament and the yeah. fellowship of God's people, like that's not good for that sheep to be alone mm-hmm. away from the flock. And it's, it's our God-given responsibility mm-hmm. to go do something about it, to yeah. address Check it in a in. godly way. Um, similar. So if you, if you are a member of the church and you adopt this mindset here, one place I would expect to see that in, in your life is like, if you have a spiritual question, you're not going to Google the spiritual question. Well, hopefully to have, not. Yeah. Well, if you, if you believe your pastor has like, uh, accountability to God for your soul, mm-hmm. um, you're going to, you're going to go to your pastor. You're going to be like, look, this guy has a vested interest in my spiritual well-being, like and it's has literally some, has what some, God yeah, called him to do, right? And has some skin in the game. Mm-hmm. So I know he is required to be faithful in this answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if I just say I'm just going to talk to anybody about this, well, it's the difference between like you know if you have a pain in your side and you Google, yeah, pain in my side, and all of a sudden I have like three different types of cancer, versus going to your doctor and saying, let me tell you about this. Well, it's, it's even bigger than that because it's like, it's like going to a doctor who has to go through formal review processes for how he handled your case. You could have your license pulled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is possible, but. Well, I yeah, mean, it's I, good because you don't want to be under medical malpractice. Right. You, you would want to not also, you wouldn't want to be under theological, spiritual malpractice. And right. so, you know, it, it gives me a certain amount of comfort as a pastor that being part of a church body, part of a district, part of a circuit, part of a synod, that my church body could pull my license. Yeah. If I was teaching unhealthy doctrine, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. And again, not, not only the church body, which that could happen in this life, but everyone who proclaims the gospel or, or becomes a teacher is going to mm-hmm. have to talk about to Jesus. Yeah about how they did. So there's this, this underlying um, authority and seriousness to the calling of pastor. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's to benefit the people. It's to benefit right. the sheep of God. One more scripture, Acts okay. twenty twenty eight. Paul is about to depart um, 
He's talking to um, the Ephesian elders uh, of Ephesus, and he says, it's kind of his final speech, mm -hmm. um, because he knows that there's going to be false teachers that, that come in and wreck things. And he says, pay, in fact, just read the whole chapter, Acts 20, but pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So what this means, what this assumes is that the Holy Spirit has made specific people, pastors, overseers, caretakers of specific Christians in Christian communities. So these Ephesian elders were overseers yeah. of, they were accountable for the souls of those Christians in Ephesus. And the so, Holy Spirit did that. Yeah. Remind me, John, is the Holy Spirit, is he God? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So the Holy Spirit, who is God, mm -hmm. he has appointed overseers. Mm -hmm. So this isn't like a casual arrangement here. It's not yeah, it's like not casual. Uh, just roll the dice and you kind of, you know, there's no seriousness to it. No, it's like the highest authority in all creation, God who created all things. Mm. Uh, he put them there. Right. And he said, hey, watch out for these people that Jesus bought with his blood. Because they mean everything to me. Yeah. So in great love. And just like, you know, when you hire like a, a nanny or a babysitter. Like, yeah. Man, if you're a parent and you come home and like the kids are like, you know, disheveled, covered in ice yeah. cream and, you know, just like, <laughs> you know, HBO's on, you uh -huh. know, you're going to be upset. Uh, whereas if the kids are well taken care of, you're going to be like, well done, good and faithful babysitter, you know? And so <laughs> here's, here's it, an extra tip. You know? Yeah. In the, yeah. in the same way, like God loves his people and he is very concerned that they would be under good formal spiritual care. So point number yes. four. Well, a little challenge to the hearer. Like, do you believe that? Right. Do you hold that as true? Do you understand that uh, God set up the church and God appoints overseers? Like, has that really got into your heart? It's a pretty big concept, but it's biblical. So believe it. It's a good one. Point number four. Membership helps clarify important questions. And so just some really just basic questions like who's going to baptize me mm -hmm. and my children? Whose teaching do I trust? Like a family doctor who knows my spiritual history and can give me wise counsel. Yeah. Who's going to visit me when I'm in the hospital? Which congregation is going to show me love and care when I'm going through a time of need or difficulty? Who's going to do my funeral? Yeah. So all, all of these kind of belonging questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, this is one piece that sometimes we'll have folks come into our church and they're, maybe they, they're coming from a different church background, but they've moved to Kearney and they're exploring and they want to commune with the church and we want, we want them to commune, but one of but they're like, but I also want to continue to be a Methodist at my former church. Cause that's, you know, that's where I'll probably be buried or something like that. And the, the real practical question is like, well, A, do you, are you going to hold to the teachings that I give you as opposed to the teachings that your Methodist church gave you? Mm -hmm. And B, when the time comes for you to be buried, who's doing your funeral? Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to do your funeral or are they going to do your funeral? And I don't think you can ride the fence with that question. You can't. Um, 
one or the other has to be the case. And so if it's me and if it's Holy Cross, if it's our church, uh, then it would make sense to come under the communion fellowship of the church, Mm -hmm. the authority of this altar, this pulpit, this teaching, and to be content with that. And I tell you what, it's a beautiful thing when, you know, I mean, when somebody has been really connected to the church as a member and when you have the funeral and the pastors are able to get up and say, we know this person, we, we've shepherded them. Yeah. We've been with them as they're dying. Uh, we heard them confess faith in Christ and we were able to give them the Lord's Supper in their last days and, and to, to hear their confession of faith. And, and so what a comfort because I've been to funerals where it's like, oh, I can tell the pastor doesn't know this yeah, person. Yeah. And, and it's really awful when they pretend like they do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but so you kind of, you got to play the long game. You have to play the long game with like, where am I, my kids, where are they going to be baptized? Where are they going to be confirmed? Where are we going to be a family in church? Where are we going to um, be buried? If I have a crisis in life, if I'm in the hospital, Cause like my call as a pastor, I'm not called to be a chaplain to the entire city of Kearney. Right. I just simply can't, but I am called to go and visit and see care for offer pastoral care to those who have been assigned to me as my people. Yeah. And I, I think I have a lot of uh, empathy for uh, talking about people who are in the hospital. Mm. Um, sometimes I'm walking through the hospital. I'm like, gosh, every single room could probably use prayer and could yeah. probably use a visit. And I know that the majority do not have a pastor coming to visit them yeah. or a congregation member coming to, to bring them, um, consolation, you mm-hmm. know, and I think ah, we need that. And yeah. I think it is one of the tragedies of our isolated world, our disconnected mm-hmm. isolated world is when the chips are really down, man, if you don't have anyone coming to visit you in the hospital, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. And, and yeah. God doesn't want that for you. Right. You know? And, you know, I've actually, I've had the opportunity to visit people in the hospital who are not part of our church because, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've had a, experiences where I've been walking through to visit somebody from our congregation and a nurse comes up and says, hey, do you have a second? Could you see this person? They're kind yeah. of in distress and maybe, you know, they're from a, a small town far away and, and, you know, maybe their pastor just can't get here because mm-hmm. it's two hours away. Um, but, um, but sometimes, you know, you'll talk with somebody who they, they don't have a formal congregation. They're here in Kearney, but they don't have a, they don't have a group of people who are looking out for them spiritually in a formal way. Because if you have a a pastor, you should expect that pastor (laughs) to come and see you or one of the elders or somebody from like a prayer team or something to come and see you. And so I think when we play the long game, we avoid these, these kind of sad situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the Holy spirit is creating community, calling overseers, bringing us together in one body. Um, all of those things matter. Mm-hmm. And I think people don't understand just how much of a treasure they have yeah. in the local congregation. Mm-hmm. And especially over time, if you hang out with these people for 20 years, yeah, do life with them, get to know them, pray with them, weep with them, rejoice with them. Like, I think just your overall life is just beautified by that yeah. and enriched. 
Good. So here's our final thought. And, and the final thought really kind of goes to the heart because I could imagine people listening to this podcast and, you know, it's, you know, we might say, I get it. Like, I understand it makes sense, but I'm not there. And so mm. whenever we can like track with a line of thought, but we're not there because we're just not feeling it or our hearts aren't there, I think it's always good to ask some really good heart questions. And so like, what what's keeping you back from embracing church membership and like and i think that's a valid question for anybody who's been in a church for a few months or years and has not yet embraced membership what's keeping you back and that's a, i've i've loved those conversations because a lot of times what we'll find is that the thing keeping me back is maybe a limiting belief i have that maybe the thing that's keeping me back really ought not keep me back mm or it helps me to think about a deeper heart issue. And so let's think about a couple different questions or situations. So maybe it's that you need some time to learn the new teachings of your congregation and make sure that you share its confession of faith. And so that's totally valid. Like don't just join a church instantly. Yeah. Like make sure that you search the scriptures yeah. to, to see, is this church faithful? So I'll give you an yeah. example of this. C.S. Lewis in his wonderful book, Mere Christianity, in the introduction talks about hallway and rooms. He says, mere Christianity, which is what all Christians believe, like Apostles' Creed stuff, is the hallway. And we can all kind of hang out in the hallway mm -hmm. and have coffee every once in a while because we're all Christians. We're part of the church Catholic, the, the one people of God. But you don't sleep in the hallway you don't have meals in the hallway. You have intimate fellowship in rooms with a fireplace and a kitchen table, right? That's where you have tea and you, you know, have meals and you have mm -hmm. conversations and build relationships is in rooms. And so Lewis would say that the different rooms, whether it be Methodist or Lutheran or Anglican, these are fellowships. These are places where the real Christian life happens. So he says, you can explore the hallway and you can knock on doors and peek in rooms, but don't stay in the hallway mm. because you're not meant to stay there. The goal is that you would find a room where you'd find the real Christian life. Okay, I like that, I like that. Okay, so sometimes you have to actually get to the, the work of understanding the doctrines yeah. is kind of what you're saying and, mm -hmm. and to, to know that you're in line with them. And I would just encourage people like, care about the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, care about the truth. Mm -hmm. Like I think um, a great way to approach church membership is say, let's open the Bible mm -hmm. and let's just look at it and let's ask like, what is real? What is true? Yeah. What is, and I love the, the, the Greek word for, um, in, if you read first, second Timothy and also Titus, mm. one of the things Paul says again and again is teach sound doctrine. Yeah, right. And I love the word sound because it's the Greek word where we get the word hygiene. Hmm. It literally means teach and practice healthy doctrine. Hmm. And, and so we want to be in a church where what's being taught nourishes and heals my soul. Right. Right. And it's not, not twisting anything. It's not, you know, yeah. There's no additives. You don't have to over-explain it. <laughs> additives, yeah. yeah. There's no MSG in that. Yeah. No <laughs> that turkey stick. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, another thing to think about, and this is, this is especially, I think, a heart question, one that we react to without even thinking about. Like, we may not embrace church membership because honestly, we've just had a really terrible situation mm. with being a member of another church. Like, let's say you're a part of a church that went through like a split or maybe like- Scandal, man, maybe. Like the altar guild was really mean <laughs> or- I think most likely like the pastor had an affair. Yeah, or like, like I, pastor, I hear that way too much, mm -hmm. you know, like- The pastor did something dumb. Yeah. Or was domineering or just right, right. not like helpful. Or let's say, um, let's say the church went through a split mm -hmm. and it got ugly and, or you've seen voters meetings where people are yelling at each other. Yeah. Like just all this, like when the devil gets in the, in, in the door. Yeah. The right. Right. So like maybe you've had a really bad experience with the church and so you've got to work through that. Okay. Um, but it's like, you know, we're not going to if you've been burnt in a friendship, you're not going to say, I'm never going to have friends. Totally. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Or like people who have, um, you know, experienced, you know, relational trauma. It doesn't yeah. mean they're not going to have life giving relationships. Yeah. It doesn't mean that relationships are bad right. altogether. Yeah. I heard a good analogy recently that, you know, it's like if you went to a middle school orchestra performance of, of Beethoven, Mm -hmm. And it was obvious that nobody practiced. It was just awful. It was just <laughs> terrible. Does that mean Beethoven is terrible? No. No. It just means that the people attempting to play Beethoven just didn't do their work or just weren't talented to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And in a similar way, sometimes churches get Christianity wrong and they mess it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that Christianity is wrong or the church as a institution is wrong. Yeah. It just means that things went sideways. We're also, you know, we might even just be looking for a perfect church. And so, yeah, right. uh, so, you know, FOBO, what is it? Fear of fear better missing options. Out, yeah. well, oh. FOMO is oh, yeah. fear of missing <laughs> out, but FOBO, they're closely connected. Okay. But FOBO is fear of better options. So and like, so, I can't be content here because there might be something out there. There might be a church with better coffee or a yeah. cooler kids program or like, you know, <laughs> Maybe their worship is a, a pastor with tighter jeans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, maybe they have a cooler pastor. Probably. Um, so probably. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like you, you could, well, and, and we see this, I see this in relationships, you know, people will often not get married or they will mm -hmm. not commit to a relationship long-term because mm -hmm. of fear of better options. Like maybe there's something better out there but it's the nature of love to bind itself okay. to commit. And so, and when you like, it's probably really good. Like, let me give you an example. Let's say that you love your church at Holy Cross and then you move to the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and there's only one LCMS church there and mm -hmm. you go there and like the people sing the hymns out of key mm -hmm. <laughs> and some of the people are kind of quirky and maybe the preaching doesn't connect with you, but it's like, hey man, this is the only church in town that shares my confession. I think there's something really spiritually healthy about being like, you know what, I'm just gonna join because yeah. this is where God put me. And it, it is for my spiritual health that I join a church that I would consider average or below average <laughs> if you were to give it Google yeah, rating. And because <laughs> it's there in that church that you because the Christian life is bearing with the sins of other Christians and forgiving them. 
Yeah, and I, I, th- I do think we need to uh, to really check our consumer preferences mm. sometimes. Like, yeah, like you're saying, it's maybe for your spiritual good that you choose a church that that isn't gonna maybe check all your boxes. Check all your boxes. You know, it's like maybe you're not that important. Yeah. Maybe maybe you don't need to be catered to. Maybe you just need to be content with the ordinary preaching of the word and mediocre music because you are at it, your preferences are actually not that important when it comes to Christianity. The other Christians like, are. Yeah. It's like, I and mean, everything in our culture cries foul about that, but it's yeah, like, yeah. cause there's a certain amount of humility. Like, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to love these people cause they're the people God gave me. And well, well so I, I always think like, this is such a, this is such a, um, modern problem. It's a first world problem. It's a, consumerist problem because if you were in uh communist uh russia right yeah. and the communist said no one gets to practice christianity we'll come and throw you in jail we'll kill you and you're like you know <laughs> you would never have the thought okay i'm gonna go to this underground church because they have better music no that would, you know what yeah. i mean it's like you probably don't even have music yeah like, like i'm gonna i'm gonna church hands. hop because yeah. you know i heard there's a new preacher on the other side of moscow or something it's like it's, it's such a luxury to not be content with the, the Christian church that's near you and to look for something better. But yeah, in the times of persecutions, we would never have that thought. Yeah. So I think it, it's a, just a commentary on our own circumstance. Yeah. So the final thought is, you know, could it be that my own culture has shaped the way I relate to the church? And so you want to really ask those culture questions like, Am I maybe not joining a church because my culture has shaped me and is that a good thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'd love to talk to you about this. Like, and you could go through our new member class um, essentials. And if you said, you know what, I'm not going to join. Yeah. Okay. We've had a few of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, I just think church membership is essential. Right on. Okay. So that's reasons why you should take membership into serious consideration. Yep. It should be cool. Be a member. Do it. Yeah. yeah. If you're traveling, if you're going to a different city, go find a church. That's like number one priority as a yep. Christian. All right. God's peace. And see, see you next, next time. time. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it was useful for you. If you found this particular useful, you can share this episode with friends or family. You can also subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're using or give us a review that really helps other people find our podcast. This is also a teaching ministry of Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska. And so if you do not have a church, we would love to welcome you into our community to build you up and to share the joy of salvation with you and the rest of the members here at Holy Cross.